0: Music news, music culture that mostly matters. I am Dan. And I am also Dan. Uh, No, Sean has not quit the podcast, but this is the time of year where Sean, in his training to become a commercial pilot, uh, is doing a lot of those tests and trainings and procedures in order to do that. And so his time of year is really busy, just as the past couple of months have been very busy for me in the political news realm. So some of the audio face content has been, you know, here or there as far as when it's been delivered, so apologies for that. But we still have an episode for you. We still have a lot of music news and album reviews to go over. We have, to start with an album this week, we have The Family by Brockhampton, including a TM release, because uh, TM being a secondary release that goes to The Family, which we're really talking about, because this appears to be unfinished tracks from Brockhampton's spanning career, because this appears to be their last record as a full group. And lots of thoughts there we have feed the streets by roddy rich and then we have 11 by salt plus of course we have a lot of news on the taylor swift album fiasco which we will be getting into right about now just just do that now but first actually uh make sure you check out twitch.tv slash dan from the web twitch.tv slash dan from the web that's dan from the web on twitch that's the streaming platform we're going to be putting audio face episodes on there starting next year and you can already get PowerPoint episodes most Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So you'll definitely want to make sure you don't miss those. And, yeah, it's it's just going to be really fun to do live streaming. Also, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you'll be able to contribute for free, essentially. So that's a really cool thing. And if also, if you want to advertise with AudioFace separately, if you want to advertise with AudioFace, uh, email info at syndicate23.co, and we will check out your inquiry. Um, Go to join.syndicate23.co. Syndicate23 members, uh, it's been about a year since membership started. So if you have an annual membership, please consider renewing. Uh, it's your help that helps us be able to grow and sustain ourselves, pay for operating expenses. And then the 2022 AF playlist that we have is in the podcast description for all of our favorite songs from 2022. The Audio Face Awards and the core packing episode will be coming up very soon. So be sure to stay tuned for all of your favorite and our favorite albums and singles and all the different things that we have done over the past year and thank you peter uh, at pjs mixed it on insta for all of your music or podcast mixing and or mastering needs go to at pjs mixed it on instagram so taylor swift fans naturally wanted to get tickets to the taylor swift concert of course this makes absolute total sense but of course, Ticketmaster, the monopoly that controls such a substantial amount of ticket sales in this country, made it nearly impossible to happen. According to them, about 14 million users were on the site during the pre-sale launch, and the company sold 2.4 million pre-sale tickets um, through system of pre-sale codes, designated purchase times, but there are a bunch of malfunctions that happened. And then on November 17th, they said they wouldn't even be selling tickets to the general public because they had oversold during the pre-sale and a lot of the, as it happens with a lot of concerts, the ticket prices just like went skyrocketing high. So, you quickly had people who had bots or other ways to game the system able to buy up these tickets and then resell them online uh, at insane markups. the point of like, 3,000 percent Truly, like, you're seeing tickets that were probably bought for $200, $300 max, maybe $500 max, let be generous, they're being sold for almost $90,000. You know, they're, they're on sale, I don't know if they're actually sold, I don't know if anyone actually bid for those prices, but Taylor Swift is the top pop musician of our time if you're going by downloads, uh, streams, album sales, all of those sort of metrics. Quality, she's definitely up there, especially in those recent years. Uh, even a naysayers like myself and sometimes Sean have been proven wrong in recent years on this as well. So, of course, a lot of people are really upset about this. And it's indicative of a larger problem because, um, according to one website here, this is Vox, uh, Thanks to a web of exclusivity contracts with artists and venues, consumers usually have to go through Ticketmaster to see the artists they want to see. Artists face limits, limits too, as many arenas and stadiums have Ticketmaster exclusivity deals, wherein playing at a venue means using Ticketmaster as their vendor. And usually a company doesn't just go around upsetting its base with website crashes, absurd ticket pricing and fees, and being shut out of tickets and customer loyalty and being shut out of tickets. Consumer loyalty matters to most corporations, but Ticketmaster's marketplace dominance allows it to continue on even if it's delivering a horrific experience. And so that is why one really interesting thing to come out of this is that in 2019, Ticketmaster's parent company, Live Nation, agreed to settle with the Department of Justice over antitrust violations and extend the terms of of its basically set of agreements that allow it to allow the merger to exist because the government has to approve certain size mergers to make sure they aren't anti-competitive they almost always go through even though they're always almost always proved to be anti-competitive but there's an active investigation going on against Ticketmaster and Live Nation for anti-competitive practices this is part of it and the Taylor Swift boondoggle will be added to that. So I'm really curious to hear what you all think in the comment section, um, whether I'm posting this about this whole debacle. A lot of people really hate it. Even Alexandria Ocasio Cortez tweeted about it to kind of emphasize a point about monopolies. And so I think that uh, this is a really interesting moment here to kind of bring up. And uh, hopefully we'll have more to come out of this and yeah i definitely if we could unite taylor swift fans and maybe like two or three k-pop uh fandoms we would get so much political work done but this is not power report anyways first album review of the week we have the family by brockhampton 17 songs 35 minutes long this is brockhampton's last record it seems to be their last official record as a group as a team everyone to call that and definitely a lot of feelings on it a lot of thoughts on it brockhampton have been kind of the quintessential late millennial early gen z so like you know such as myself boy band of the past decade or so They've been releasing music since at least 2015, 2016, is when I started being aware of them. I'm sure, as with all these things, they started a lot earlier. There's a long storied history of them, you know, being like an internet boy band, which, you know, you could also, depending on how you define internet boy band, you could also apply the same to the Arctic Monkeys, because we did an Arctic Monkeys bonus episode that talked about how, while they didn't meet on the internet, they formed and grew a lot based off of the fact the internet existed, and they were able to subvert existing, you know, structures of how you had to come up as a band. Brockhampton, you know, it wasn't unusual for a band to come up purely on the internet before. There have been mixtapes and rappers coming up like that, and bands also doing the same thing. Again, I just mentioned the Arctic Monkeys. But there's definitely something interesting in Brockhampton, both its size, its energy, its vibe, the fact you had so many different people. I think there were like you know, twelve plus members at a certain point. And through all of those characters, and there were, you know, certain scandals, I think with the Amir Van thing. But you had such an eclectic mix of energies from rap to R and B to hip hop. You had the saturation trilogy one, two, and three that really encapsulated that sound. And then when they went kind of to major label, you got other records such as Iridescence uh, Ginger Roadrunner. Now you have the family, which is a-, a solid ending. I think it's a good callback to what their best was. But I think the most disappointing thing about Brockhampton as a project to me, uh, besides of course the allegations of at least one of their band members, but you know like that doesn't tarnish like the reputation of at least most of them, assuming they're behaving properly. But. Brockhampton had so many unfinished projects and I felt that there were some really great ideas like there were the years of our lives project where you had uh 1999 wildfire and 1998 what was it called uh 198 Truman I believe but you had these series of songs that Felt like they could have been part of a larger project. They felt like they really captured this energy of electronic blending into rap and neopop slash R&B, soul, funk, all these other different things really happening at once. It was a really truly unique moment, but, you know, it felt like that never really made it into a complete record because there's so many different ideas happening at once. The family feels kind of complete but also just because it's a kevin abstract and associates project kevin abstract is prominent on most of these songs and kevin abstract you know and even in other parts where you get other members of the band throughout here this is not the kind of record where you feel that the band is ending things on the highest note like definitely their best days as far as enjoying each other as a band hence why they're likely breaking up here are behind them and there is a little bit of reminiscing but there's a lot of also you know feeling that they're kind of tired of being around each other and they're just like kind of over it and ready to go their separate ways probably kevin abstract's gonna have his own band and project through there and you can definitely see many of the other members doing anything from you know fashion lines to uh acting careers you know the usual hollywood grand tour i guess um So yeah, getting to the music of it, it's 17 songs, 35 minutes, as I said earlier. It's a very long, I mean, no, no, it's the direct opposite. The songs are very short. And so as a result, you're getting something that is very fast-paced. A lot of things are coming at you very quickly. Some of the songs are barely a minute and a half long. And I think that benefits to it because, you know, I think a lot of the best brockhampton is the four minute long stuff and you get that with songs like you know the uh eponymous ultimate final track now, we'll only yell at title brockhampton. now we're only yelling at god i lost my therapist right did i do that right honestly there were issues before roadrunner iridescence i wasn't really there for my brothers barely present more focused on bad relationships it was good for my image i got lost in it that's when i first started drinking lost my hunger man when you make it it feels like the longest that's a time, long track it's really long gets into a lot of things the family's also a longer track that's a prominent one as well but you're really seeing a board of what the best of the band is, but also kind of the most chaotic of the band is. I think ultimately what I was always, like the secondary thing is that I never felt, secondary disappointment of Brockhampton is that I never felt that they were able to finish a record in, or you know, complete a record. You know, an Audio Face, we're always searching for albums that are cohesive. We're searching for albums that have a feeling that this song or these songs can only be done by this band and can only be done in this album. And I don't necessarily feel that at any Brockhampton project except for maybe Ginger. I feel like there are certain Ginger-sounding songs and maybe Iridescence a little bit. So, a little bit in the later end, but nothing comparing like some of the really great projects and maybe just like by having a lot of cooks in the kitchen that's harder to do. But Yeah, I think being as a Brockhampton record, it's a collection of songs, it's a decent collection of songs. Although it suffers from the Brockhampton thing of... You know, it's a good vibe, it's good energy. I think a lot of songs call back to saturation. Like, they my we keep it nasty, you up? Jesus, my savior, all my masters like masterpiece. I can't explain it, dog. You know, it's how magic beats. You gotta bring it if you get in on the track with me. This shit is classic, I ain't even been out a week. The show is over, nigga. Please stop harassing me. Stop asking me. It's bad enough for me to deal with this tragedy on my own, on my But at the end of the day, the longevity of it. Like, Brockhampton was a moment. It was a memory. I remember going to those shows. It was a good experience. But, like, I don't think they have the longevity or even the staying power of some of the bands from that time. Like, we're still talking about The Weekend. We're still talking about artists from the 2015s. Like, you know, The Weekend's like, a really, really big example here. But, like, I'm trying to think of you know, groups and, you know, 1975, for example, we're still talking about bands like that many years out and they're innovating and doing a lot of different things. And it's a definitely apples to like bear fruit basket comparison, I guess. But you get cohesion, at least through some of those projects. You get a lot of chaos. And 1975 is a perfect example, at least in the form of, you're comparing it to chaos, but... You're at least getting some cohesion as you go all the way through and also longevity I, I don't think brockhampton ever fully achieved that there are never a lot of brockhampton songs i would just like bump all the time except for some from the saturation era but yeah that that's something i definitely um miss and is slightly lacking from there but ultimately no, it's a good record. It's a final solid project. I, I will talk a little bit funny about Because I want to pull a little Bout of the hat Bout of the hill That's what I'm on Realize on your Amsterdam If she ask you where you been Pull it out, pass we we'll check the sand So as I said, The Family is a lot of Kevin Abstract's finest work, I guess. And he's very prominent on the record. TM is a counter... No, not really a counter project, but it is a complementary work that was released afterwards, you know, one day afterwards to The Family. Family was released on a Thursday, TM was released on a Friday. And TM are just unfinished, but now more complete works from brockhampton's entire discography and i at least personally like this better because i think you get a little bit of brockhampton as they come as they are as you want them to be um and you get them at their most fun i think songs like new shoes songs like better things really invoke that all american rejects era like the super early brockhampton the really fun kind of chaotic like i'll oh, say all american trash as well um and it, it really makes for an energetic record again a collection of songs but stuff that really sticks with you longer and so overall i'm happy with all of these projects as they have come out uh this is probably just like brockhampton cleaning house you probably won't get many more songs from them here or there except some like bonus releases they want to like sprinkle out. But like I said, they all have flourishing careers and I think in those flourishing careers, I'll be looking for how they take their own contribu- contributions to Brockhampton and make them their own. And also just like, yeah, do an album that has a start and an end that doesn't feel like it... Uh, Lacks because it has too many cooks in the kitchen. Arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary scales every week on Audio Face because our review is our review, and this week it's going to be alternatives to Twitter. Uh, all of them are pretty, you know, not Twitter right now, but Twitter is being destroyed. So I'm just going to be ranking them here, and we use arbitrary scales because we gave you an actual ranking system that would just ruin the whole point of, you know, ranking albums. I talked about it. I just like spent the whole time talking about it, and, um. You 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 have it just now. Anyways, I'm gonna rank this a Mastodon. You, you know, actually no no. I'm gonna rank this a Tumblr, actually. This is gonna be my Tumblr because it's a little bit messy, it's very chaotic. Uh it's it's a little bit a little bit too much sometimes, a little raunchy, but it at its best can just be a collage of creative ideas. And I think that's how we'll send out Brockhampton. Also very relevant and very, you know, tuned to the times. Next, we have Feed the Streets 3 by Roddy Rich. 15 songs, 38, 39 minutes long, 38 minutes, 48 seconds, yeah, no. And this is naturally the third in the Feed the Streets trilogy by Roddy Rich. And Sean's not here, so I get to review Trap the way I want to. And Spoiler alert, it's really not that much different from the way I would review it if Sean were here. I think there's some, like, assumption that I will be more favorable to this than even Sean would. But, um, you know, it may be in some ways that's true. But I think with the Roddy Rich record, I would mostly say that it is only above average in trap music that I've heard this year. A lot of it has been trash, but it's only above average in that you have production that is you know above par you have production that is a little bit different it is a little bit more muted it has you know moments of soul and funk like if you take you know even just the beginning like the first track just because all this paper, I ain't never think I lost riding in the states Thinking about my way to bossa. If a nigga say he want to smoke, we got the sparkles. I ain't got a Pam, they gon' do it just because. I ain't got a Pam, they gon' do it just because. Uh, I ain't got a Pam, they gon' do it just because. You understand yeah, you that this is race. just going to be a much, like, more soulful record, and it's easy to get confused by the first record on an album because oftentimes, you know, I've heard first songs on albums of Migo's records that are very artistic and have, you know, trumpets and horns and orchestral things, and the rest is just a muddy, trapped-out, bad 808s mess, right? Like, out of sync, out of... um, What is it? Out of key mess, right? But, no, this sound actually continues for songs like... uh, Twin featuring Lil Dirk, where you still continued to get that sound. And I was actually genuinely pretty impressed that it continued even in that, which is a little bit of a more Make like intense song. Hey, Twin, that's my twin, that's my twin, that's my twin. GLE, GLE, matching bins, matching bins. and my tent, and my tent, 5%, 5%, fuck around, fuck around. Pay your rent, pay your rent. Right. Hey, twin, that's my twin. That's my twin. That's my twin. GLE. GLE. Matching bins. Matching and my tent? And my but t- it 5%. actually does a much better job of like, you know, keeping that sound. Like it definitely has like a rotty rich vibe to it. Which really impresses me. Um, another highlight of this record is number one freak featuring Ty Dollar sign. You a number one freak. And she living one I deep, deep dick. and run through the sheets. You and your girl in the tag team shit Give you everlasting dick Suck it up fast, drain the dick Throw that ass back, I can make it come quick And she let to see the look up in my eyes When she came and talk. Deep throat to the tip, out down the cheek Those sneakers not down, this bitch so nasty With my thumb on the butt While I'm gripping the pussy But the even as you hear that song, I think both of them do their best on here And it's a nice song because it's slower and you get some versatility from them, but the downside is that you know, at the end of the day, there isn't a lot of substantial standout tracks from this. It kind of blends together at a time when you are getting some good music in rap and trap. Like, I think, you know, people were saying, "Hey, how do you think about the Twenty One Drake thing?" And, you know, it was alright, it was okay. They they put in an album, but it wasn't groundbreaking. I think it was just you know. A reliable hit right with a- 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 other songs like you know kendrick lamar's album i think that was an incredible record uh denzel curry did a great thing with melt my eyes see your future and so i've been impressed by a lot of rap this year this is just abysmal Lyricism. This is just kind of phoned in ideas. Like, I don't feel the passion in this. I mean, this gets numbers, this gets hits. I mean, it's, it's above average, like I said, but I felt like nothing in this really stood out to me as a really memorable project. And I felt this way about a lot of rap this year, and rap was one of my favorite genres and i don't think i'm falling out with it i really don't because i listen to a lot of it every single week and i really try to give it the best benefit of the doubt and I, i just find this to be bland other than the fact that the production is carrying it a lot so all in all that's my opinion of it it's not too complicated on that regard i just wish that artists would you know, this branches out into r and B a a little bit, like Neopop. But, you know, I think that's almost a little bit too safe. And even this is a little bit too safe of an attempt to do that for Roddy Rich. I get that he has other sounds on other records slightly because Feed the Streets is like one thing. Sure, not really. But I want artists to do more in electronic. I want artists to do more in indie. And I want artists who have this, like, trap motif and they're, like, from the streets or whatever not be afraid to do that stuff like i want them to dig more into jazz that's not just like one loop or one sample right like rap needs something and this is just not it so my arbitrary scale this is going to be what's that one counter social that one that has all the libs on it uh Oh, yeah. Arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary scales every week on Audio Face because our review is our review. We do an arbitrary ranking system because you should listen to what we have to say about the review as opposed to, you know, a number or a scale or a letter grade. And uh, this week we're giving this the, you know, Twitter alternatives. And this is going to be counter social, which is that one really, you know, all the libs are on it. Oh, it has Bot Sentinel, the one that makes sure that you're not a Russian bot before entering. Like, it's absolutely pretty deranged lib stuff. But, um, yeah, this is mid as an album, I would put it. So, it's fine. It's, it's a little bit above average, but, like, you, one can skip and one can be fine. Last album review of the week. It is Eleven by Salt. It is 11 songs, 44 minutes long. We, we, we love salt we love as a band they're very precise and meticulous but you know a little chaotic they also released a zip drive with a password protected file with like a bunch of albums i want to say more than three and they you know it was password protected they're like look here are all our albums uh it was very you know had some religious undertones or themes like god is the way or god is the answer had like a lot of the themes to it uh i was like Okay, Salt, yay. Uh, I don't know what's going on here, but no. 11 is available on a lot of streaming services, at least for now, because we also reviewed 9 a couple years ago, maybe last year on AudioFace. And that had some of my favorite indie tracks of the year. It was a really good blending of genres. It was just a, a love letter to music, truly. Uh, that's what Salt was and is. But the 9 project, I believe it was only up for 99 days. And after that... <sighs> Thanos Snap, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, gone. End of story. I was really pleased with this record. I think that, you know, I think we've had this trend the past couple of weeks where the first song maybe not be necessarily the strongest, but I think this is a pretty good first song still. It's just a very, you know, gets you in there track. So the, I think it could be a little bit faster, but. It has this nice bass line to it that just repeats. I just think that's kind of the thing that gets to me that it's just a little bit too long. But I think the rest of the songs in there just, like, really hit. They're really catchy. Fear No One is a slower, like, jazzy, bluesy kind of thing that's really fun. Morning Sun is really fun. Morning sun, when the evening comes And you so far gone from me. heart where you've been so long? what you searching for you It has that really nice bass line in it and it reminds me of one of my favorite vibes, which is just being in an underground jazz club where it's not you know too loud but It's just smooth music playing and you can groove to it. You can bounce to it. It's just a wonderful vibe behind you. Now, not enough places have this. I think this would be a better, if I opened a bar, I would have bands just play music like salt, like morning sun. Um, maybe salt would be the band in residency with the money that I have. Join. dot syndicate 23. I'm kidding. I'm going to make much more financially prudent decisions than that. At least in the near future. um, And, anyways, so this is really, Salt makes me appreciate and makes me realize that Sean and I, and, you know, a couple of other good music reviewers, are not simply screaming into the void. That we are talking about, you know, when we say that you actually benefit from having better music, that you benefit from working more thoroughly on your tracks and blending genres and figuring out what mix of what to do nicely that you get good results from it and i'm personally very pleased that the execution is just so thorough now i think there's i think yeah it's jack's gift where you get kind of a very airy ambient song and you have uh You know a spoken word piece over that i think it's really nice to break the album up even though it's not the most you know replay value worthy track let's say but near the end you just get a really great set of tracks like uh envious is really it it reminds me of hiatus coyote almost really good blending of neopop and funk and soul and it is just pleasing it's something i can listen to in a lot of different contexts and it <laughs> it just invokes pleasure and fun without necessarily being a quick or fast song i think that's just one of salt's real benefits and you know best talents river is one of the longest tracks i think it is at 5 minutes 41 and unlike glory i think you get enough range and you know variety in that track to where it really makes it worth it It really makes it worth the time, I mean, and In the Air and Circle wrap up the album in a really nice way. It's very rarely you get an album that, I've used this analogy even before Sean, but an album that lands the plane properly and... This one does it where it has an idea, it has a concept, it stays within that concept. Not that it's restrained by that concept, but it just explores that concept so thoroughly that you feel like these songs belong in this album, these songs belong by this artist. And I've talked about this, you know, earlier in this Audio Face episode, I believe, with the Brockhampton Review and in many other contexts in this 250 plus episode podcast that a Good album is one that is like a story. You know, there shouldn't be many things like it. It should take you through a beginning and an end and it should feel uniquely like something only the only that author can produce. And Salt checks all those boxes for me and I really like it and I really think they've had a consistent output for the times I've been paying attention to them. I've only been paying attention to them since yeah, 2020, 2021. And at least from what's on Spotify, they've been releasing since 2019. So good on them. Good on them. I am happy for that. Uh, I hope they continue to keep it up. Arbitrary Scale. We do Arbitrary Scales every week on All we Face because our review is our review. And this week, we are going to do... Uh, yes, Twitter replacements. Because nothing can truly replace Twitter. And this is going to be... You know, typical Sean Kerball, I'm gonna call this Twitter before, like Twitter in 2015 when Trump was still kind of a joke. I, like, that was funny Twitter. Like I was just looking at a tweet when we were uh, when everyone was talking about uh, would you kill baby? You know, the German world leader from 1940s, um, and. Jeb Bush was like yes, and Ben Carson was like no, or maybe I have them confused, but like it, it was just a, such a funny debate that Republicans and the people on Twitter were actually happening on all sides of debate, outside of politics too. So that was fun. That was wild. Thankfully, I mean, you know, unfortunately, that's gone. That was good Twitter, but you know, that's why I do arbitrary scales on all your face because I just spent time talking about the Salt album, and there would be it, it, it wouldn't do the review justice if I didn't tell you all about. <laughs> uh, world history and Twitter? Huh, anyways. So on quick hits, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails decided to quit Twitter as the result of Elon Musk doing a bunch of different things with the platform now that he owns it. Reznor told the Hollywood reporter that Musk's takeover of Twitter has been an embarrassment, adding that we don't need the arrogance of the billionaire class to feel they can just come in and solve everything. Um Elon Musk wrote that and it turns out Trent's Nine Inch Nails Resner is actually a crybaby. It's really funny coming from the guy who just fired an employee for criticizing him. Not even just criticizing him, just saying, like, what he's doing is not going to help the company. It's just like, hey, there's someone who's been in the company longer than you who understands it. You should be listening to them as a critical boss. But I mean, you know, uh, that's how bosses be sometimes. That being said, as much as I may want to agree with Trent Resner here, We have a noted little bitch award for white men who quit Twitter because ultimately any changes on Twitter, any things that happen are not going to materially affect you. So making a big huff and complain about quitting Twitter is just like a technicality we've given it to artists to even like. Like I think we gave the um, noted little bitch nomination To Matty Healy even for a similar reason for quitting Twitter temporarily we gave it originally to uh, excuse me, we gave it originally to Ed Sheeran because he quit Twitter because he appeared in Game of Thrones as a cameo and didn't like the responses to it which is like something you just shouldn't be upset about which I think was why we created the white man who quit Twitter thing. Uh, Wynn Butler who's been in a little bit of trouble, a Little Bitch Award nominee so uh, R. Kelly Robert Kelly the current Noted Little Bitch Award winner for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Yeah, No Little Bitch story thing we're going to be doing on the Audioface Awards this year. Check it out. And lastly, Jack Antonoff has been on a warpath. This is not necessarily the fun note. I should have actually flipped the stories out of order. Sorry, this is what happens when I'm doing it solo. But Jack Antonoff has kind of been doing at least some right things. He said that, I mean, he went off against Ye. Um, you know, Jack Antonoff, being Jewish, uh, probably had a lot of choice words for Ye and his anti-Semitic comments, and his continued surrounding of anti-Semitic figures such as Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes, uh, since Ye is supposedly flirting with running for president in 2024 with them, but I'm going to fill this podcast with that part of it right now, because of that. But Antonoff pointed out on Twitter saying that venues, quote, F artists so hard by taxing merch. So in a series of posts, he added that um, while we are having the discussion, can, we, can venues simply stop taxing the merch of artists? This is literally the only way you make money when you start out touring. The more we make it tenable for young and small artists to make a living on the road, the more great music we'll get. Touring is one of the most honest ways to make a living, some of the hardest, most heartfelt work you can do. So why must... Why must it F artists so hard, I guess is what you're trying to say. And so, yeah, when you're adding, it's hard to do your just job in general. And so like touring, it's a lot of work. Streaming you, it's really just for exposure, much like social media. YouTube is the only social media platform, maybe say for Twitch, that you can like make a living on just by using that platform's built-in features. But Instagram and TikTok don't have robust features for ads and snapchat's content features are just simply not available to a lot of people for monetization and so it is a struggle for content creators and that goes for video or even audio to make what they do profitable and a lot of that is touring and touring costs a lot of money because you have to move people and equipment um it's easier for podcasts to tour because there's less equipment and there's usually fewer people, but you have to move all these technicians. They have to go to all these different places and get audio visual set up. And it's a really daunting process. So ticket sales are usually just a break even thing, and labels like sometimes try to get their cut of that, but usually it's the thing that artists get the most control over. And at the end of the day, artists aren't even getting that much if they don't sell that much in ticket sales, which they won't if they're kind of small. So the fact that you have venues who are trying to just take their cut off it well is, as well, it's just like, yo, can the artist, who is the main event, or the band, the main event, can they make their money? Or is it just going to be people nickeling and diming them who are already getting the benefits of it? Because like those people who are there, they're going to be getting food, they're going to be getting drinks, they're going to be getting concessions. There are so many different ways to monetize a concert other than by bleeding off of the artist uh, these exorbitant amounts. So. In this case, I agree with Jack Antonoff. In uh, most of his music, I do not. And this has been AudioFace. Uh, thank you very much for listening and watching. We're going to have the end-of-year stuff on AudioFace. So for folks who don't know how that works, we'll have the chord packing episode coming very soon. We might have one other regular episode of AudioFace before that. We'll take a break for Thanksgiving week because... We've done a lot. If you want more audio face, please become a Syndicate 23 member at join.syndicate23.co. It's just five bucks a month, which is about 60 bucks a year. And you can get audio face on demand in video in 4k. You can get all the bonus episodes like Arctic Monkeys 1975 Junior Boys. The Junior Boys episode is an exclusive episode uh, only for Syndicate 23 members, not even available publicly. And you can get these things available easily as a video, the podcast version. He's had a little bit technical glitches with, but should be coming soon for members as well. And yeah, that we really appreciate people for doing. But of course, We have the Court Packing episode and then the Audio Face Awards that will be coming after that in December. The Court Packing episode, we mentioned all of the albums we may have missed throughout the year that we want to qualify for the Audio Face Awards, potentially hint hint, including new stories as well, because that's pretty much the last time, because once we start the Audio Face Awards, obviously we can't qualify any new music. So that'll be the end of the year. That'll be very exciting. And then we'll start the we'll do our break for a couple weeks, and then in late January we will begin the new season of Audio Face, and we will start streaming, which Sean has been very much looking forward to, which may or may not lose us Twitch affiliate privileges or may get us to Twitch burp privileges, so we will see, we will report, you will decide. Thank you very much for joining, and we'll see you very soon with another episode. Again, thank you very much for um, dealing with me in these sporadic episodes, but cheers.